Welcome to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. The Shockers are undefeated in the month of February. We'll talk about two great wins last week over Tulsa and SMU. Get you ready for this week's games against UCF and USF. We'll also talk to Pete Nahara, President and CEO of the United Way of the Plains, who's helped raising awareness for the Coaching for Literacy game. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Shockers go 2-0 on the week, and really, I, I don't don't want to overlook that Tulsa game, but that SMU win, 72-57, I feel like this was the shocker team we've been waiting for all season long and really, in my opinion, has changed the whole outlook of the season. You start to look at the standings and, and think about, you know, could we start to go on a run here and, and climb up the standings? But, Taylor, just for the week overall, kind of where, where do you feel like the team is? Yeah, I mean, that was uh, what what they needed. We talked about last podcast, you know, they needed two wins at least last week. And obviously we didn't know the road trip to SMU was going to get uh, postponed. But uh, to go 2-0, and you know, like you said, I mean, that one was uh, it's a huge week. Uh, you know, Tyson Etienne kind of sensed the same thing. He told us after that SMU game, he was telling the his guys that, you know, he felt like it was the Super Bowl almost. I mean, he put that kind of, importance on on that game you know if they lose that one it's another loss at home uh you know they're probably not going to make a run uh to close out the season so uh you know he he really saw the importance in that one too and uh you know now they've they won three in a row at coke arena now the next step is you know taking it on the road and start picking up road wins that's how you move up the standings and you know they have a good chance on tuesday night to, to leapfrog ucf you know it's uh you win that game, you go up to seven, and then you're one spot closer to, to getting that top five uh, seed, you know, which would be a buy in, in Fort Worth. So that's that's the I think that should be the goal at this point is to get top five. You know, winning four four games in four days is is probably too much of a uh, you know a task to, to ask from from any team. So uh, getting that first round buy is going to be crucial. So if they can sneak their way up. And, and you know, play their way into a fourth or fifth uh, seed. That that would be huge. I think it's important to point out how much of a run SMU was coming on, coming into this game, and the Shockers just completely shut them down. SMU never leads in the game. They hold Kendrick Davis to his season low with eight points. Tyson and Ricky Council go for 20. And even the crowd, I mean, the the arena and Coke, you know, there seemed like there was a few more uh, butts in the seats, and, and it was a good atmosphere as well. People are standing up, cheering them. The players, they, they've gone through a lot this season season but they still seem to be friends they're you know patting each other on the back and just the energy and the intensity that we were so used to seeing from the shockers for so many years that really had maybe disappointed at times this year was certainly back on display yeah you mentioned it you know this was the the version of the shockers that you know i think everyone expected this year and uh you know the players themselves so for them to, to get back to that uh, to, to, you know, show that they still have that potential. You know, that's the second best team in the conference. Like you said, you know, they'd only lost once in basically the last, uh, uh, you know, two months. So uh, for the Shockers to, to go 
in there at Coke Arena and to be able to thoroughly beat them. I know there were some probably nervous moments in the second half, uh, you know, when they cut it to 10 with, I think there were still seven minutes left. And, you know, for most teams, it might not be that nervous, but, you know, given what we know about, you know, this Wichita State team, you know, Wichita State fans are probably feeling, uh, you know, probably sweating it out a little bit just because of, you know, they were probably thinking, here we go again. But if you look at it, you know, this is a team that, that led that game. You know, it never got under 10. They led SMU by double digits for the last 30 minutes of that game. So very impressive, uh, you know, very thorough win. And, you know, really the biggest reason was, you know, they got back to that elite defense. And, uh, you know, a huge part of that was Dexter Dennis, uh, you know, on Kendrick Davis. You know, that, that was probably my AAC player of the year coming into that game. And, uh, you know, he had been in a little bit of a mini slump, but, you know, that was obviously his worst game of the season. And, uh, you know, uh, Dexter did most of that, but, you know, it wasn't just him. You know, that's team defense. You know, it was the bigs, Mo and Kenny, uh, you know, putting two on, on ball screens, making them see uh, two defenders, you know, Quay and Craig and Tyson, uh, you know, those guys spent a little time on KD as well. So, uh, you know, it was really just an overall team effort on the defensive end. They did have some lapses, but, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, that was probably the, the best, uh, you know, it's looked on defense. And, you know, obviously SMU, they're going to make uh, a lot of those shots, you know, most of the time. You know, that's one of the best shooting teams in the American, so they're they're used to making shots. But, you know, I thought Wichita State did a, a very good job of cutting off the head of the snake with, with Dexter Dennis, uh, silencing Kendrick Davis. I mean, he's the one that makes that offense go. And, you know, because they didn't have that generator, then they were left, you know, doing some things maybe they, they weren't as comfortable doing. And, uh, you know, I thought Wichita State did a good job of making uh, the right players on SMU from a WSU perspective, uh, you know, make plays and take a lot of the shots and, and doing things they were maybe not as comfortable doing because, you know, they're used to, you know, Kendrick Davis, you know, putting on a show and scoring 20 and, and, and dishing out, you know, six, seven assists. So, uh, that that was the biggest improvement in my mind. You know, what should I say? Just getting back to that elite defense that that we saw. You know, early in the season, and it took a pretty big dip. Uh, you know, at the start of conference play, and now we're starting to see it again. And you know, now they're up to uh, number twenty in Ken Palm in, in national defense. And you know, if that's if that's going to be the case for the rest of the season, you know, this team, you know, it, it could make a run much like that that team four years ago did. You had an article today, Kansas.com, on Ricky Council. He made the American Hoops honor roll this week. He scored 11 all in the second half against Tulsa, goes for 20 against SMU. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people have asked why is he maybe not in the starting lineup. He's getting starters minutes, just not playing there at the beginning of the game. And IB really likes what he brings off the bench. Yeah, that's the important thing to note is that even though he's not starting, he's playing you know the third most minutes on the team. Uh, you know, he is playing starters minutes, but I know, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are still confused. You know, you just look at the stats and, you know, it's a, it's a simple question to, you know, for, for a lot of fans to wonder, you know, you look at Ricky, you know, he's averaging the second most points on the team during conference play. And you look at someone like Joe Pleasant, who's, you know, the averages are only like three points and three rebounds. And you're like, why would you not start, you know, the five best players on the team? And, you know, we've seen this over the years through, you know, different levels of basketball, you know, some, some teams just like having, you know, one of their best players come off the bench. And 
Ivy said uh, that as much, uh, you know, after the SMU game is that he just really values the way that Ricky is able to change the game when he comes in. Usually he's in before the first media timeout in the game, and he's just instant offense. And, you know, it, it just changes the pace of the game. It changes the way that Wichita State looks on offense. And he really values that to, to you know, provide that spark. Um, and, and then also, you know, in defending why Joe Pleasant's in the starting lineup, he really likes the way he plays uh, team defense. You know, and I will say, you know, Joe is, is very heady, very steady as a team defender, pretty good on the ball as well. Uh, you know, it's not super athletic, but he's, uh, you know, he, he, you know he's going to, you know, give 100% effort and he's going to make the right rotations most of the time. And we even saw, you know, a little bit of that athleticism last game with that, that monster block he had at the end of the first half. So um, he just really trusts Joe, I think. And, you know, you look at the overall minutes played, you know, Joe hasn't been playing as much. And then Ricky's obviously been playing close to, you know, anywhere between 25 and 30. So, you know, the minutes have kind of worked themselves out. But I will say, you know, it is very, you know, intriguing to wonder, you know, what Wichita State could be, you know, if you start your five best, you know, you go with your most dangerous lineup right out of the gate with, you know, basically Ricky Council moving into the starting lineup and you bump up Dexter to the four and then you bring Joe Pleasant off the bench and play him, you know, 10 minutes per game. So, um, yeah, I'd be curious to, to hear what you think, Dustin. I mean, do you like that, that, that Ricky punch off the bench or do you want him playing and, and starting and, and maybe getting even more minutes than here he is? Well, I, I almost think you have to do it by the opponent. SMU didn't really seem to have a lot of size, and so they were able to go smaller a lot more and have Dexter at the four with Ricky at the three. If I'm playing a Houston, you need as much size in there as you can get. I, I have also been impressed with the play of Kenny Poto uh, here over these last few games, and he seems like he's coming along to be a little bit more of a depend, dependable guy down low, and, and that helps with the length as well. But, uh, you know, <laughs> IB is a guy that he hasn't made any wholesale changes throughout all of this and and I guess he's been rewarded for that consistency at this point if they can turn it around. They were plus 25 in bench production over SMU and Ricky was a, a big part of that so uh, as long as the ball keeps going in the basket I just uh, I still can't get over that was the team that we thought we would see all season and if they can put a few more of these games consistently together on film I, I, I do think the this guy's certainly the limit. Also, looking at both the teams they beat this week with conference realignment, I think SMU and Tulsa are going to be their main rivals. How about this? They've won five straight over SMU, even though it had been almost two years since they'd last played. They've won four straight against Tulsa. 10 straight over Tulsa and Wichita, 16 out of the last 18, and they're 8-1 and one over the Golden Hurricane since joining the AAC. So I know that was a, a rivalry of the Missouri Valley Conference days, and Wichita State's really taking advantage of it here since joining the AAC. Yeah, I mean, those are the, uh, you know, like you said, you know, once those teams leave for the Big 12, you know, the conference is going to look uh, entirely different. And uh, Wichita State, you know, has a chance to, to really position itself as, you know, the premier team in the conference, you know, uh, obviously Memphis and SMU teams like that are going to be vying for that spot too. But, you know, we could see, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, all three of these teams, you know, at, at various points this season, you know, we've heard rumblings about maybe coaching changes at, at Memphis and, 
And, you know, obviously Jankovic at SMU, you know, it's, if they don't make the tournament this year, you got to start to wonder, you know, how long he's going to last. And, you know, then we talked, you know, a couple weeks ago about, you know, IB and, you know, uh, him maybe feeling a little bit of the pressure too. And, and now they've started to turn things around. I think that's kind of quieted down, but, uh, you know, who knows what those three programs could look like, uh, you know, going into next year, but those are probably the three best in the American moving forward. And, um, and then real quick to, you know, touch on, you know, what you said about Kenny. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that bench unit, Kenny, Monzi, Ricky, I think that's the, the challenge for this coaching staff to, to figure out how many minutes these guys play and, 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 you know, figure out the flow. And, you know, it does feel like, you know, I thought that Monzi was, was superb in that first half. And, you know, he was on the floor for all of the scoring, I believe that 18 to two run that, that just, you know, pummeled SMU and basically, you know, won them the game, uh, uh, you know, in that first half. And then he didn't really get to play much. You know, he only got six minutes, I believe in the first half. And, uh, you know, I didn't think he played great in the second half. So it's hard to say he deserved more minutes, but, you know, it just felt like, you know, he was out there, the, the scoreboard was moving in the right direction. And it felt like a, a lot because of his energy. So I think that's like the challenge for this team they, they they do have you know a lot of mouths to feed and uh, they have a lot of lineup combinations and uh you know players to play but you know uh, they, they have some serious weapons and talent off the bench because you know this could you know this is probably one of the best benches in the american with uh, you know that much offensive talent coming off the bench and, and it's going to be interesting too to see you know the split between mo and kenny uh you know going down the stretch you know i i'm just really intrigued by the pick and roll uh, you know, when Kenny is on the floor, obviously he he presents the pick and pop action. You know, if, and it seems like he's been knocking down about you know one three pointer every single game. So, you know, the more that he's able to do that, the more it's going to stretch out defenses. I think that gives the the guards way more space. And then, uh, you know, what we're seeing now is you know teams are switching one through five. You know, they're switching their point guards onto Kenny. Uh, you know, when he's on the floor, if they they don't want to give up the pick and pop. And then that's opening up the point guards to drive. And then obviously, you know, Kenny to crash the glass. So that's something that I'm going to keep my eye on. It's just, you know, how the coaching staff uses those three guys. Cause it seems like they're, they're kind of, they can be difference makers coming off the bench with, you know, Ricky, Ricky Monzi and Kenny just monitoring their minutes and, and how WSU uses them. Cause you know, those are three weapons right there. It's good to see the team overall play with some swagger, you know, pounding the chest a little bit, getting the crowd involved. We had several instances where the whole, you know, building stood up and and was letting them know. So I will say that the crowds have not been to my liking this year, but Wichita State fans are very smart basketball fans, in my opinion, when they need that extra urge and and the players are giving that, you know, MTXE mentality, they're going to stand up and let you know about it. So I kind of had to look around like, where's this been all year? But it was it was nice to see Ken Palm 77 at this point they are eighth in the AAC and those two losses to Tulane really really hurt if they had turned those the other way I believe they'd be fourth seven games remaining and my next question for you is what do you think the possibility is that they'll reschedule any of these postponed away games at SMU at Temple and at East Carolina I believe they have a week in between the Houston and Memphis game but anything you've heard about trying to get as many games as possible back on the schedule yeah, I mean, and you look at that schedule, and it really is. It just shows kind of like the razor thin margin of error, and 
uh, you know, the Cincinnati, you can throw the Cincinnati game in there too, because that was a game that Wichita State probably should have finished. And, uh, you know, if, if just, you know, one or two plays and all three of those games go the other way, you know, Wichita State is looking at, at what, like a, a six and three record right now. You know, they're probably on the NCAA tournament bubble. And, you know, uh, we're not talking about any of the, you know, disappointments or, you know, I be on the hot seat or, or what's wrong with this team. So it just kind of shows you, you know, how close the margin is in, uh, in some of these games. So, you know, this team was never really that far away from, from, you know, this potential. Like, like I, I think I tweeted out during that game, you know, that was a six straight game in the AAC play that they had taken a double digit lead. So, you know, they've, they've proven that. You know, they, they can build leads on teams. It's just a matter of finishing them. And now they're starting to finishing them, uh, finish them. And, and, and like I said, you know, now the next step is going on the road. And, uh, you know, they've only played two road games the last uh, two months, basically. You know, they haven't only two road games since December 1st. So, and then to answer your question, uh, you know, I would probably scratch off the East Carolina road trip. You know, that's, that's I mean, I think they're done with them. You know, they flew out there, and, and uh, I, I think that kind of left a sour taste in their mouth with how UCU handled that. So I scratched that one off. Uh, I do think that they do want to reschedule the SMU and Temple Road games. Uh, you know, those are two games that, that could help them move up in the standings, two teams in front of them in the standings. So I think there is some urgency to, to reschedule those. And, you know, they have a date, February 14th, I think I looked at, uh, that would be a date that works, uh, you know, in between games for Temple or SMU. And then they have another week-long stretch uh, between the Houston and Memphis games. I, I can't remember if SMU, if that would work for SMU or not. But, you know, there are dates available for Wichita State to get those two games scheduled. So I would, I would expect at least one of them gets rescheduled. Uh, you know, I, I do think there's, uh, you know, there's a one-two uh, to get two of them. But like I said, you know, East Carolina, they're probably done with them. Well, and if you look at these remaining games, just about every team is ahead of them in the conference standing, starting with Tuesday's matchup against UCF. They go to Cincy. You have Houston at home, at Memphis. And so if you do want to start to think, can you get to that fifth spot and not have to play until Friday down in Fort Worth, you, you've kind of got it all right in front of you. Temple would be another team uh, in there if they're able to get back with Temple. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, you know, it's uh... – you know, for the second straight year, you know, just uh, COVID cancellations have kind of worked out in WSU's favor. You know, obviously last year they avoided, you know, some of the top teams and, you know, no fault of their own. And then this year, you know, it's it's taken off, you know, a lot of road trips where it's like, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just tough to win on the road. And, you know, you, you get three off the board. Uh, and that means a lot of the games so far have been at home. And, uh, you know, that would be another part of it, too. You know, I wonder if, you know, WSU goes on a nice little run here. You know, are you motivated to, to you know, go on the road and, and risk it? I don't think that they really look at it in that terms. But I think, you know, their they're basketball players, you know, their basketball coaches, they're competitive. I think they're going to want to, uh, you know, but maybe that's, you know, maybe in the back of their mind, maybe that's in the back of, uh, you know, Darren Boatwright's mind about, uh, you know, maybe – uh, avoiding those road trips uh, to, you know, help improve your seating. You know, if they do go on a run here, uh, you know, pick up a, uh, you know, if they pick up the the road win at UCF on Tuesday, then you then you set yourself up. Then you're playing the worst team in the conference at home, South Florida, and then next week that's a huge road game at Cincinnati, and that feels like that could be a huge swing game. You know, potentially a four game winning streak. 
if you win that one, now you're back in business. You have to imagine you're going to be inching closer to that, that fifth spot, uh, you know, in the conference. And, and that's going to be the huge one. But, you know, it all starts, you know, I think tomorrow we're talking Monday night. So uh, it all starts with this UCF uh, road trip. It's going to be a huge game for Wichita State to, to determine, you know, how much of a push can they make at the, the end of the season? That road loss at Tulane just really stings. But if it was the turning point in the season, I, I think you'd take that. <laughs> but you think, you know, had they won that, now you're on a four-game winning streak, you're 4-4 four and four in conference, things look drastically different. But uh, it is what it is. We'll hopefully see them get two wins this week. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for Tuesday's matchup at UCF and then the Coaching for Literacy game, Saturday's home matchup with USF. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers will play the UCF Golden Knights on Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time tip-off, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, ESPNU. As we know, Wichita State beat UCF 84-79 just a few weeks ago in Wichita. UCF is 1-2 and two since that game and currently Ken Palm 101. This is a game I think the Shockers got to have, Taylor. You mentioned they haven't won on the road since that December 1st win at Oklahoma State. Haven't won on the road at all in conference, even though it was only the two games. But uh, probably a, a game that you need to have, you know, not only to leapfrog them in the standings, but to keep this momentum going. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, to continue this momentum, you know, they're playing really well since that devastating two-lane uh, loss, like you mentioned, and, you know, they really picked themselves back up. You know, I know the Tulsa game wasn't uh, very pretty, but, you know, it's a 10-point win. They were up by, like, 18 with, like, two minutes left. And then uh, SMU, you know, a 15-point win. So, you know, you're starting to build momentum. The defense has been uh, superb uh, the last week. And if that carries on the road, which is uh, what made Wichita State such a good road team in the past, you know, defense rebounding, those are the things that travel on the road. So, you know, if they're able to, to play at that level. And I just, I don't know what it is, but, you know, Wichita State just seems to have UCF's number. You know, they played in a number of, of close games over the years, and it just seems like the Shockers always find a way to, to pull it out. You know, we saw that again in, at Coke Arena with, uh, you know, WSU being able to, to pull that one out. And uh, you're right, you know, this is a game where, you know, if you want to make noise, you want to, uh, you know, turn your season around, this is a game that you got to have, you know, on the road. Uh, UCF entered conference play, uh, you know, as an NCAA tournament uh, resume team. And then, you know, it's just kind of gone to pieces since then. And uh, pretty disappointing, uh, you know, season so far for, uh, you know, Johnny Dawkins down here. And, uh, you know, uh, especially when you start out nine and two and, you know, you beat Michigan by 14 points and it, and it feels like, you know, they had a nice win at Miami. Felt like they had serious momentum and it's just that uh, it just hasn't gone according to plan uh, in conference play you know they they have a lot of nice pieces I like a lot of the offensive pieces that they have uh, you know Darren Green Brandon Mahan you know those two guys are you know two of the best sharpshooters uh, in, the, in the conference Darius Perry another guy so you know that's one of the most talented uh, you know trio of guards in the conference so you know Wichita State's gonna have to play well but like I said you know if they if they are able to defend like they have been doing, you know, Dexter Dennis probably going to start on Darren Green would, would be my guess. If he's able to neutralize him, 
then you, you kind of, they, they've actually decreased Mahan's minutes, and that's usually who decks your guards on this team. And so I, I think that he's going to move to Darren Green, and that's going to help them. Uh, you know, you just look at what he's done the last couple of games. You know, his track record is pretty superb. Uh, you know, just he's building a case once again to to at least get some mentions for AAC Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, you know, probably not going to get it if WSU finishes with a losing record. But, you know, if they turn it around here, he could get some serious buzz and, uh, you know, need another big game from him on the defensive end. And, you know, I think if they make UCF uncomfortable, uh, then that's that's going to favor the Shockers. You know, the uglier the game is, I think WSU is more uh, is better equipped to win a game like that. Darren Green is leading all scorers on the Knights with 13.7 points per game. They score 70 a game, allow 67, shooting at 43% from the field, 34% from three. I know most of the decisions were made with football in mind, but I think UCF, when they go to the Big 12, is is in for a little bit of a, a rude awakening. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need a serious bump up in recruiting. And, uh, and definitely, you know, if, if you think, that the American is a good defensive conference. You know, there's some teams that get after it in the Big 12, too, and then also a lot more that uh, play even better offense. So I think Houston, very well equipped. I can't wait to see, you know, come Samson, uh, you know, get after it uh, against some of the Big 12's best. But, yeah, you know, UCF, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, in for, uh, uh, you know, a world of hurt probably, you know, at least in the early years until they can kind of recover and maybe – get a recruiting bump uh, by, by moving up into the Big 12. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough sledding for them because, you know, I think all 10 of the Big 12 teams uh, this season could make it to the NCAA tournament if Oklahoma State wasn't uh, ineligible. So they just kind of show, I mean, it's just year in, year out, you know, the best conference in college basketball, it seems like. So that's that's a tough, tough ask in, in the basketball world. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, maybe we see Johnny – uh, you know, he's such a good coach, and, uh, you know, I think he would be pretty valued if he goes on the open market. So who knows? Uh, we'll have to monitor that one. But, uh, yeah, it just seems like a very tall task to ask for UCF to be competitive right away in the basketball fold. We'll move now into our coverage of Saturday's matchup with the USF Bulls. They are 6-14 and 14 on the season, 1-7 and seven in the AAC, and it's the Coaching for Literacy game. Joining us now, we have a special guest, Pete Nahara, president and CEO of the United Way of the Plains, who is raising money for this coaching for literacy game to help kids K through third grade in Title I schools. Pete, thanks for joining us. Yes, Dustin, thank you for having me. I didn't realize that last year, Wichita State won this Coaching for Literacy Challenge and, and so far have already raised over $6,000 for the cause, number one in the country, uh, Ohio State and SMU right on the, the heels of the Shocker Nation here. But tell us a little bit about this game, the United Way's participation, and, and kind of how, how all this has come together. Yes, uh, yeah, thank you very much uh, for having me. Um, so Coaching for Literacy is a national nonprofit based in Memphis, Tennessee, and it has uh, partnerships with over 40 universities across the country, Wichita State being one, and these teams have agreed to promote uh, childhood literacy. Uh, it's such an important um, topic today to ensure our kids are able to read. Uh, we are very grateful to uh, the Wichita State men's basketball team for agreeing to host a game in the name of childhood literacy to raise awareness in its community 
And uh, as you mentioned, we're really proud that Shocker Nation last year stood up and gave what they could to support the Shockers, who uh, all the money they raised, they donated to the United Way so that we could invest in the children right here in our local community to, to make sure they could read. And as you mentioned, uh, we're leading right now in the country. We were behind SMU. And I loved that we beat them this weekend, and then we surpassed them on the leaderboard in giving, proving that our community, uh, they aren't just great basketball fans, but they have big hearts as well. I mentioned 6,000 has been raised already. 28,000 was raised by Shocker Nation last year. I believe the first 5,000 raised is being matched. And give our listeners an idea of the, the type of programs that this will be supporting in the community. That's right. So uh, the money we raise, uh, we're, we've announced that we're going to invest in K through third grade students in 14 different Title I elementary schools that are in and around Shocker neighborhood, the surrounding area of campus. Uh, we do that because uh, between the ages of kindergarten to third grade, we all know children are learning how to read. After third grade, they read to learn. So if they never master the basic skills of reading, it becomes very difficult for them to achieve their human potential from fourth grade to 12th grade. Uh, and so we're, we're buying books and supplies for these children. We're buying books with characters that look like the demographic. These are largely BIPOC communities in Wichita. And so we need characters that look like them. And then we also are using some of the money to support our tutoring programs. We have a very successful Read to Succeed program in half of these schools with over 400 volunteers who are partnered with a third grader who may be re reading below level, but by the end of third grade, they're reading above grade level. And so really, we're really proud of that program. As far as uh, the website to be able to donate, what, uh, what would that be? That's right. We've tailored a special website that will take you right to the landing page, the Shocker landing page. It's www.unitedwayplains.org slash literacy. Unitedwayplains.org slash literacy. The neat thing about this is it's been a grassroots effort. I was on the website this afternoon, or excuse me, this afternoon, and folks were donating $20, $40, whatever they can. And you can also put a customized message in there. So I think it'd be pretty neat if some of our listeners could go on and say, hey, I heard you on the podcast and, and want to contribute to the cause. That would be great. I love going through that list and seeing the messages people have been leaving. And you're right. This is about uh, a lot of community participation, small dollars together to make a large impact in Wichita. Is there a goal overall for, for this year's campaign? There is. Well, obviously, we want to beat the $28,000 we raised last year. Uh, and if we can get to the $30,000 level, we're going to be able to buy two books for every child in these 14 elementary schools, K through three, which are 3,000 students. 3,000 students are going to get two books right before the summer. I think everyone in our community is impacted one way or the other by the United Way, but just for our listeners, maybe give us an idea of what other areas the organization's working on currently. That's right. Uh, we, we do focus on education, which we've talked about here in the show, but we also have big programs in health, workforce stability, and basic needs. We do contribute a lot of uh, money into homeless shelters, food pantries, 
uh, on financial security. We're investing in workforce development, a new program to help uh, low-income families get safe bank accounts so they're not uh, victims of predatory lending. And then under health, we're doing a lot of work with Delta Dental on uh, providing dental care to the uninsured. We're looking at other health equity issues around um, uh, food programs to address the food deserts of Wichita. It's such a caring community uh, here that gives us their time, talent, and treasure so that we can help this region achieve its potential. Uh, I'm so excited to be in this position, and I love working with our community to advance the common good. We appreciate the work you do, Pete, but you're also a big Shocker basketball fan. I, I see at Coke Arena all season long. So give us a little bit on your thoughts here. The team seems to be kind of turning the corner, hopefully with that big win on, over SMU. Do you have a favorite player or kind of what are your thoughts on the team so far? I, I love the team. I have not seen uh, such an athletic team in a long, long time. And you don't see teams play defense like Wichita State does. And and that's what's going to win championships. Uh, really um, impressed with the athleticism of Dexter Dennis that everybody talks about. Ricky Council really showed us what he could do with that windmill that brought down the house. Uh, and, I mean, when Tyson is hitting from beyond the arc, uh, there's no more exciting player uh, in the country than watching him shoot three-pointers. And so – I love the way the team's developing. Coach Brown seems to be finding his uh, his legs here with this team, and I think we're going to make a really good run down the stretch. IB, I believe, uh, is it will he be wearing green on the day of the game for the coaching for literacy? He, he will be wearing a green wristband and a green lapel pin. Uh, back in the day, they would wear the green tie, uh, but nowadays everybody's wearing uh, athletic gear on the sidelines, and so and both teams uh, should be wearing the green. So uh, look out for that. And I hope it motivates everybody to go online and give a few dollars on behalf of the Shocker basketball team. I did notice out of the 40 schools participating, there's a big footprint from the American Athletic Conference. We already talked about SMU and Wichita State. Memphis has a, a program going on. So it's nice to see the conference overall stepping up. That's right. Houston as well. And so uh, we're real excited uh, to uh, be leading here in the fundraising to give back to our community. And I'm sure after a few more games, we'll be leading in the conference on on wins as well. UnitedWayPlains.org slash literacy. Go to the website. Donate anything you can. We really appreciate the work you're doing in the community, Pete. And, and thanks for being such a big Shocker fan. Yeah, Thank you for having me. And go Shocks. Our thanks again to Pete Nahara, President and CEO of the United Way of the Plains, for joining us. The Coaching for Literacy game is Saturday against USF. You've already alluded to this, Taylor, but the Bulls are really struggling. 6-14 and 14 on the year, 1-7 and seven in conference. They split with UCF. Uh, but that is their only conference win. They're packing in a lot of games. Uh, they've had some postponements as well. They're going to play Temple and Cincinnati this week before coming to Wichita on Saturday. Ken Palm, 246. And nice thing is, Shockers should be able to keep their home winning streak alive. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a game that, you know, Wichita State, you know, we, we've talked a lot about them finishing games. Well, you know, they shouldn't even have to, to necessarily finish this one. You know, it should be pretty comfortable throughout you know usf you know when i was doing my scouting coming into conference season i was like i just couldn't believe that you know this was the offense that they were choosing to to build around and it's pretty hard to believe you know brian gregory got an extension and you know just 
uh, I guess another complete rebuild job. And uh, it's pretty rare to see a coach get, you know, a second chance to completely tear it down and start, start fresh. But, you know, this offense is uh, about as, as bad as it gets, you know, last in the, in the conference, uh, you know, only scoring, you know, 0.86 on average uh, points per possession, which is just horrendous. Uh, not a very good shooting team. They turn it over a ton. And, uh, you know, their best player, you know, Caleb Murphy, all he does is, you know, shoot really, really tough contested two-point jumpers. And uh, just not a good uh, source of offense. And, you know, he, he he's only made one three on the whole season. And, uh, you know, it's just tough to, to build an offense around someone like that who just, you know, is no three-point threat and, and uh, you know, just uh, relies so much on the two-point jumper. So, yeah, this is a game that Wichita State, uh, you know, not you know, it's unspoken that they have to have it, but you know, more importantly, they need to play well and uh, you know, uh, you know, continue to build the momentum. Especially if they're able to get a win on the road at UCF, they're going to be feeling good. That's a three-game winning streak, and they have a three-game streak at Coke Arena. So, uh, you know, more importantly, you know, outside of just winning, I think you know you should look for Wichita State. To, to potentially win that game by 20 plus at least you know double digits uh and and play well on offense play well on defense and uh that's maybe not a get right game but definitely a confidence builder game for which state to continue and keep the ball rolling at home and get a lot of the guys that maybe don't get a whole lot of minutes in there like a jenkins poto can play a lot uh because that next week is tough you're at cincinnati and then you're home against houston so you know keep keep a little wear and tear off of those legs and and uh clear the bench out you're as far as the bulls offense is concerned 37 percent from the field 24 percent from three scoring in the 50s so uh, not much to say about this one other than you got to take care of business. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, I, I thought, uh, I think I had UCF tags at 11 and then Tulsa at 10 uh, coming into the conference. I just didn't see much to like on either of those teams' offenses. And uh, we're kind of seeing that play out so far this year. So, uh, you know, I obviously, I didn't see Tulane, uh, you know, this, this strong of a start or Temple. Those are the two teams that really, really surprised me. But, you know, two teams that I felt like, you know, the, uh, you know, that famous quote, they are who we thought they were, you know, Tulsa, Tulsa, USF, you know, at least Tulsa has been competitive in games. And, you know, they took Houston down the stretch, had a shot in the air to win it. Uh, we haven't seen that with USF, though. You know, they've been blown out in a lot of these AAC games and, uh, you know, a lot of 20-point losses, a lot of 30-point losses. So, you know, this is a game that Wichita State needs. Uh, not only to win, but to play well and, and like you said, get some young guys in there and really get a, a confidence building, you know, 15, 20 point win. It's too bad we don't play them twice. And uh, I guess uh, if the goal is, if you can't quite get up to fifth place, well, then let's just be six so we can play them on Thursday and not, not work too hard down there in Fort Worth. Yeah, I mean, that would be, yeah, it is interesting too. You know, if you work so hard uh, to get that four or five and you get to buy, but then the trade off is, uh, you know, you get to buy and, and then you play, uh, you know, a pretty good team in the first round of the quarterfinals. And then if you win that one, now you're faced with Houston. So it's like, uh, you know, Houston is by far, you know, uh, on a, a tier of itself. So I think, uh, you know, who knows, you know, maybe it is better to be the sixth and then, you know, play that first game and, you know, play USF. But like you said, not much of a threat. But, you know, what it does do is get you on the other side of the bracket and then you're going to be playing. Uh, you know, an SMU, 
in the second round or, or maybe, uh, um, you know, like Tulane or Temple, you know, one of those teams, you know, who Wichita State should feel confident that they can beat uh, those teams, even though Tulane swept them. You know, obviously the Shockers, uh, you know, gave those games away. They feel like, you know, 95% chance to win in both of those games. So um, that is going to be curious. You know, we'll talk more about that, you know, as, as the conference tournament rolls around. But, you know, uh, you know, WSU's like NCAA tournament hopes likely lie, you know, in winning that, that tournament in Fort Worth. So the best chance to do it is probably not uh, play Houston until the finals. But, you know, obviously you're going to have to beat them. Uh, to to go anyway, so they might not uh, care, but th- that that would be a nice little benefit to to wait until the final day to to play them. So, uh, like I said, we'll talk more about it as the season gets closer or the postseason gets closer. But something to keep in mind, uh, you know, as they they chase that four or five uh, first round by. I appreciate you saying likely, but let's call a spade a spade. It is the only way they make the NCAA tournament is by winning the conference tournament in Fort Worth. Uh, and here's my bold prediction. I want Tulane. I want my sweet revenge on Tulane. <laughs> so hopefully they get to play him and, and knocking them out of the, the conference tournament would be a pretty nice uh, little feather in your cap. So buy or sell time, producer Brian. Well, we haven't mentioned it yet. Fred Van Vliet gets his first all-star nod in the NBA. Well-deserved, having the best season of his career so far. Buy or sell Fred ends his career with four or more all-star nods. Let's start with you, Taylor. Man, that's that's tough. Uh, I'll probably sell that j- just because it's uh, you know so tough uh, to make it in the Eastern Conference. You know, a lot of injuries happened this year to kind of open doors, and you know, obviously Fred played incredible, but I think a lot of things have to go right just for him to to get back there a second time. Uh, so I'll I'll sell that, but you know. Hopefully, hopefully more. I'd love to, to go back. I'm going to be able to, to go out there uh, next week in, in Cleveland. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I saw he's doing the three-point contest now. So uh, hopefully have uh, some coverage uh, coming uh, on Kansas.com with, with uh, Fred in the All-Star game. So happy for Fred. Also got engaged over the weekend. And, you know, he's, he's living life right now. I'm going to sell that as well. Although once you make one and you're kind of, your name is in there and plus doing the three point shooting contest, I think that'll at least help him with the fan vote a little bit. I'm not sure if he'll be able to make four, but I, I think he's at least got another one or two in store. All right. One of the things I've noticed, Wichita State seems to get a lead. And as soon as they do, the other team feels a little pressure to try and speed WSU up. They bring out a full court press, and it almost seems like that pressure slows WSU down in that they are not looking for those opportunities to capitalize on the extended defense. You know, they they take all 10 seconds to get it across the timeline almost every time. We saw them fail to do it several times yeah, in their last game. On that. And, and so, you know, in with that in mind, is the biggest opportunity for Wichita State to improve their offense to become more aggressive when the opponent brings that pressure defense. I'm going to sell that. I I just don't think the Shockers are that great of an offensive uh, team, and so they look a lot better when those three-pointers are going in the basket than they don't. It was nice to see them move the ball a little bit more, but I I think it's more just, you know, 
not taking bad shots, not taking four shots at the end of shot clocks that would improve their offensive play necessarily than than anything that the opposing team's defense is doing. Yeah, I guess I guess I'll, I'll buy that just to be on the opposite side, and I think that is a huge opportunity for for Wichita State to to add more uh, add more points. But you know, as Dustin said, you know we've seen them. Uh, make careless mistakes when they get sped up and they go on attack mode. You know, we saw what happened at the road, you know, uh, at, at Tulane, you know, down the stretch where, uh, you know, Ricky Council, he goes in attack mode where it's probably better to, you know, just hold the ball, let them foul you, and he steps out of bounds. So, you know, it, we've seen, uh, you know, some pretty low, I guess, basketball IQ plays down the stretch from Wichita State. So, you know, it's a little you know, a little worrisome, but, you know, I, I do think that Wichita State is leaving points on the board. Uh, you know, uh, we, we saw it a couple of times against SMU, you know, where they crack the pressure and maybe have like a two-on-one or a three-on-two. And uh, instead of, uh, you know, attacking that, they, they pulled it back out and we're happy to, you know, run clock. And, uh, you know, uh, and I think they get maybe a little bit too passive, you know, playing with a lead, but, um, you know, like I said, I think it was probably a little bit too far blown, uh, you know, the criticism of, you know, letting SMU back in that game, you know, the lead never got below 10, uh, you know, on a, a quality team like SMU, you know, that's, that's pretty, pretty dang impressive to, to lead that team by double digits for the last 30 minutes and lead that team wire to wire. So, um, you know, Wichita State deserves some credit. It's going in the right direction, but I do think they can probably score a few more points being a little more aggressive when they, they break that press. All right. Tell it to me straight, Taylor. Buy or sell. Monzi needs more minutes. Yeah, I mean, I buy it. I, I've uh, I've been pushing for that all season long. You know, uh, I know obviously plus minus is a, you know, flawed stat. It's not a, not an individual stat, but, you know, at this point it, it's a lot of possessions and, you know, it, it paints a picture of, uh, you know, generally what happens when a player's on the floor and Monzi is by far the number one player, uh, you know, on Wichita State and plus minus, you know, good things happen typically when he's on the floor uh, and, you know, he just makes stuff happen and, you know, he, it doesn't always, you know, I know he's going to have, you know, probably a, a turnover or an elevated shot, you know, he's going to do something that, that's going to make the coaches, uh, you know, uh, scream a little bit on the sideline, but, you know, I think it outweighs uh, you know, all the all of his positive plays far outweigh, you know, that one or two negative plays that he's going to have. And, you know, that's just the type of player uh, that, that Monzi is. You know, you just have to, to live with those mistakes and, uh, you know, hope that the, the positives outweigh the negatives. And, and so far, you know, from what I've seen, uh, you know, he's such a creative passer and he's very good creating off the dribble. And, you know, we've seen it at times this year where he's able to break down the defense and he'll flip it, you know, one-handed to the, the, the big man in the dunker spot and they'll get a foul or they'll, you know, miss that layup. You know, he's, he's had a lot of empty, you know, would-be assists, uh, you know, uh, off of the big guys not being able to finish his passes. So I, I want to see him get more minutes. I, I think he deserves, you know, anywhere between 15 and 20, depending on the night. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, to say, you know, I, I think he is, you know, he, he uh, just the defensive intensity wanes a little bit. You know, he loses track of his man, not always, you know, boxing out, kind of relies on his athleticism just to go chase down balls. So I can understand, you know, why he doesn't see more playing time. But, but man, it's just like for a team that has struggled so much on offense this year, it feels like Monzi's just too uh, potent 
uh, too good of a playmaker to be keeping on the bench, you know, when you're struggling that, that much on offense. He's a little limited from a size perspective, but I love his effort. I love his energy. I love his swagger. He's the definition of a Wichita State player, in my opinion, diving on the floor, getting the crowd excited. So I will also buy that. All right. And finally, in the last game against SMU, we saw a bit of an improvement in the three point shooting, different guys hitting shots, Poto. Dexter Dennis, Ricky Council's been hitting at an excellent clip lately, and we're starting to see Tyson shooting is coming back, which which anybody knows he's a good shooter. Shooters are going to regress back to the mean over time. So buy or sell, over the remainder of the season, do you see Wichita State as a team being a 33% or better shooting team from the perimeter? They shot at 38% against SMU, and uh, I think they left some shots out there. Um, so, yeah, I will buy that. I, I think 33% is attainable. Yeah, I mean, 33 is a pretty pretty low bar uh, for, you know, I think that's like uh, below the national average even. So um, I'll buy that as well. Um, you know, the Dexter Dennis shots, you know, it, they just have to start to fall. It just doesn't make much sense to me. It doesn't make sense to the coaches, to Dexter. He's getting so many wide-open looks that just aren't falling. And, you know, we've seen that in, in the past. Uh, it just seems like February is the month that it starts to click for him, and, and you know his season turns around. Haven't seen that yet. You haven't seen a super hot game from him yet. So maybe uh, Tuesday night at UCF, that's where they turned around. But I think 33, you know, that's a pretty low bar, and I think Wichita State is capable of finishing that uh, from here on out. All right. Well, another great show. We appreciate you joining us down in Orlando, Taylor. We'll have a good week here, UCF and USF. Remember the Coaching for Literacy game. You can go to unitedwayplains.org slash literacy. Our thanks again to Pete for joining the show. And uh, when we get on next week, you know, who knows? We might be talking about a, a sixth-place team by that point. Yeah, I mean, big week ahead for Wichita State. It feels like every one of these games down the stretch is going be, gonna to be huge. And, you know, uh, the road games are going to be even more important. We've seen them turn it around at home. Now, you know, next up, you know, getting it done on the road. We'll be looking for your work all week long at Kansas.com. Follow him on Twitter at Taylor Eldridge. And don't forget to rate us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.